0: Thank you so much for that. That really brought us into the presence of the Lord. His mercy, which is new every morning. And in a special way, I marvel at the way God can orchestrate a a service. Because this song about the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is what we're going to be focusing on today. Um, As I was praying this week about starting a series on prayer and thanksgiving, what became impressed upon me was there's no place to start other than God's own prayer life. God prays. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. I'm going to invite you to join with me in looking at scriptures which talk about the prayer life of God. Um, let me also say that for that reason, I think uniquely when we talk about God and his life and his prayer life, we even more so than with some other sermons that I have preached in the past are going to need to keep going back to Scripture, to accounts of God's own life of prayer. And so this sermon will include more passages of Scripture than perhaps normal. And as I'm reading these to you, I'm going to invite you to just listen prayerfully. Perhaps just praying for new ears to hear what in some cases will be very familiar passages. Um, But let's begin with a text for uh, this morning. It's available in your bulletin in the printout or if you'd like to use the Pew Bible, Philippians 4, 4 4-7. Hear the word of the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, Rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The word of the Lord. This morning, as I've already indicated, we are going to be looking at the marvelous grace of God, as was just sung so beautifully. We're going to be talking about God bringing us out of death and into life. Um, calling us forth from our own death into spiritual life so that we can live face-to-face with him and so that we can enter into his own life of prayer. Um, I'd like to begin the sermon this morning by reading the words of a hymn written by Charles Wesley in 1740. It's been around for 275 years. It's been a treasure for the church that long. Very familiar But just sit back and listen. Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing, my dear Redeemer's praise, the glories of my God and King, the triumphs of his grace. My gracious Master and my God, assist me to proclaim and spread through all the earth abroad the honors of thy name. Jesus The name that charms our fears, that bids our sorrows cease. Tis music in the sinner's ears, tis life and health and peace. He speaks, and listening to his voice, new life the dead receive. The mournful broken hearts rejoice, the humble poor believe. Hear him, ye deaf, his praise ye dumb, your loosened tongues employ. Ye blind, behold, your Savior come, and leap, ye lame, for joy. Glory to God, and praise and love be now and ever given, by saints below and saints above, the church on earth and heaven. Now, as we journey into the prayer life of Jesus and of the Trinity, the triune God, I'm going to read a very familiar story to you. But I would like you to listen to it and just pray for new ears to listen. It's the very familiar story of Lazarus. But I would like to imagine you to imagine at this point that the person in that tomb is not Lazarus, but you and me. Listen. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. He stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. The disciples said, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not 12 hours in the day? If one walks in the day, he does not stumble. Because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he'll recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus has already been in the tomb for four days. from God he will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Mary said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection and the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And anyone who believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here, and he is calling for you. When she heard it, she went quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews would come with her weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believe uh, you would see the glory of God, So they took away the stone. Here's prayer. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go. Many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and seen what he did, in him. I'd like you to imagine with me for a moment Lazarus as they unwrapped the cloth which bound his face and eyes and he was looking at the face of his Savior. This, dear people of God, is the story of each one of us who have heard the voice of our Savior calling us from death to life so that we may stand face to face with him. This is our story as well, uh, as Jesus prayed for each one of us who believe, even as we lay in the tomb of our spiritual death. Jesus praying with thanksgiving to the Father that he is about to bring us from death to eternal life. the prayer life of god as god has brought us from death to life face to face with himself our new life with god begins because jesus defeated death because his tomb is empty and he lives he now calls us out of our tombs to be alive to him romans 8:11 says this, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. I think it's important to realize that this verse in Romans 8 is not just talking about resurrection, but it's talking about newness of life In this life, it's talking about the power, the same power that God used to raise Christ from the dead, being available to us. First to turn our hearts to him in prayer. The same Holy Spirit who brought us, uh, who are trusting in Jesus from death to life, now continues to illuminate God's word so that we may walk in fellowship with him in newness of life, not in the darkness of spiritual death. Um, Ephesians 5, the Apostle Paul quotes what was evidently perhaps an early church, an early hymn in the church. Ephesians 5, 13, Awake, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This becomes then position that we can stand on every day as we make our affirmations of faith. Lord, you brought me from death to life. Let me be alive to you today. Let me walk in your light, shine upon me, so that your, the reflection of your glory may be seen in me. So now we begin the task, which will continue throughout eternity, of loving and learning about God and marveling about his amazing grace. One thing that we learn is that God has loved us. Uh, Even before, while we were still enemies of his and while we were living in spiritual death, God loved us. God was praying for us. We learn that his love for us and his plan for our salvation has been from all eternity. My mother tells a story of when she was a young girl and she got into a little bit of an argument with her big brother, Dave. She said, uh, David, she said, uh, I know where I was before I was born. And he, with kind of the worldly wisdom of the big brother, said, "Uh, no, you don't, you don't know that. And she said, I sure do, I sure do. And as with kids, it went back and forth. Yes, I do, no, you don't, back and forth. Until finally he decided to call her on it And he said, okay, you tell me, where were you before Jesus, where where were you before you were born? And she said, I was in the heart of God. Out of the mouths of babes, I was in the heart of God. So we grow in our new life with God. We come in like babies. We quickly learn that God himself is a God of prayer. We face the mystery of the Trinity, of the triune God who has always been, and the members of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who have loved each other from all eternity and have communicated with one another from all eternity. Yes, God prays. And as we grow in our life of prayer and thanksgiving, we're entering into more and more of an activity in which God himself is already engaged. We look no farther than Jesus himself, who, as fully God and fully man, was, who was to stand in our place and drink the cup of God's wrath against sin. We no, look no farther than his own life of prayer. As he walked on this earth, prayer which was intimately informed and infused by Scripture. We certainly re- remember the account of Jesus when he was tempted in the wilderness. How did he respond to temptation? With Scripture. I think, again, we store up God's Word in our hearts that we might not sin. There's no temptation. There's no sin in being tempted. The sin is in yielding. And yet we have the one who is tempted as we are, yet without sin, with us and who is praying for us. We'll be looking at this a little bit more as we go along. Jesus was and is the one who has always prayed and continues to teach us to pray, just as he taught his disciples to pray. He teaches us how to pray. He uses scripture to teach us how to pray God has provided us in scripture an amazing glimpse into the prayer life of the Trinity and the high priestly prayer of Jesus recorded in John 17 listen to his heart as he prays for those who have come to believe in him and again as a theme this morning I want you to listen to the heart of God just as he wept At the tomb of Lazarus, even knowing what he was about to do to raise him from the dead, he was his compassion to people. He, as we read the account of him coming into Jerusalem and weeping over Jerusalem, how often I've longed to gather you to myself, like a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not have me. I think. It's very important for us to realize the heart that God has toward those that he is going to be drawing to himself, uh, his compassion. Hear Jesus' prayer, excerpts of it from John 17. He's praying to the Father, and he says, This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Holy Father, keep them in your name. This is something he's continuing to pray for us before the Father, interceding for us, keep them in your name, which you those you have given me that they may be one, even as we are one. He's praying for our unity. He's praying for us to be kept in his hand. He's praying for our unity. I do not ask for these only. He's been praying for his disciples but also for those who will believe in me through their word, us. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, that they may also be in us. So that the world may believe that you have sent me. Just as Jesus at the tomb of Lazarus was doing this by the instruction and guidance of the Father, so that people would believe. So he intends to keep on testifying of himself through us as we believe and as we walk in fellowship with him and develop our life of prayer. That the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them. We don't think about being given glory. But how else can we talk about Emmanuel, God with us? How else can we talk about that? Except that the glory of God is with us. We certainly hold this treasure in earthen vessels, clay pots, but that demonstrates the glory of God. That passage in Corinthians, which talks about we hold this treasure in earthen vessels. I've thought of sometimes this way, um, the the earthen vessels of those day, the clay pots, the um, kind of the unscrupulous used car salesman of the day was one who would sell a clay pot, which had been broken um, as new. What they did was they would melt wax and they would kind of fill in the cracks and sort of paint over it, sounds familiar, and and sell it as new. Uh, the word that came out in in Latin around that time the word we know of as sincere is a word in Latin, which comes from the prefix S-I-N, which meant without, and serre, which meant wax. We are without wax. God's treasure is in us, and we don't try to hide it with, by filling the cracks with wax. We let God take care of that. What happens then when God shines in us? What do people see through the cracks? They see his glory in our lives as he helps us with our sin, as he comforts us. So the people can say to us, you know, I don't understand how with what you're going through, you have peace. Where does that come from? And then we can say, it's not mine. It comes from someone else. And we can just, in a very natural way, point to the Lord. So back to Jesus' prayer Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given me, may be with me where I am to see my glory that you have given me before you loved me, before the foundation of the world. Here we see Jesus wants us ultimately to be with him, he wants us to see him in his glory. This is what he wants. He wants us to truly know him as the God he is, as the second person of the Trinity. And this is our destiny. This is where we're going. And he's continuing to pray for us that we will be there. Even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these that uh, know that you have sent me, and I have made known to them your name, And I will continue to make it known. Jesus in heaven is continuing to make known the name of the Father. And I will continue to make it known to them that the love with which you have loved me may may be in them and I in them. When Jesus had spoken these words, listen to this now. When Jesus had spoken these words, what happened next? he went with his disciples across the brook Kidron where there was a garden and he and his disciples entered you'll notice that Jesus prayer is initially for his disciples and then it's for us who have come to believe through the message of the gospel in verse 24 of this chapter Jesus refers to us as ones who have been given to him by the Father. How many of you who believe in the Lord this morning have thought of yourself as a gift, as a gift from the Father to the Son? That changes our view of ourselves, doesn't it? What kind of gift do you think the Father would give to the Son? He would not give a garbage gift. He gives a gift of one in whom he plans to renew the image of his own son. He gives a gift of someone that is destined to eternally reflect his glory. So when we come back and struggle about our identity, we need to pray that God will help us to see ourselves the way Jesus sees us as a gift from the Father to himself. And as one, he's going to finish the artwork that he began in us. He will complete it until the day of the Lord. We are his works of art, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that we should walk in them. That's who we are. And we dare not let our own sin and our own pride Stand in the way of acknowledging who we are in Christ. We can, in a perverse way, hang on to our sense of sin and guilt, even as Christians, and not acknowledge who we are, what our real identity is. And this is what we need to pray for every day. Help me to know and to move into who you already have made me to be in Christ. Renew him and his image within me. Recover and restore the art that you have placed in me. We are God's workmanship, his poema, his poetry, it says in the Greek. That's who we are. Right now at this moment, Jesus is praying for us um, to make and is continuing to make God known to us through the scriptures. Familiar passage in Hebrews four. Verses 14 to 16. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. As we look at our text from this morning, being anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and thanksgiving, we start with Jesus in everything with prayer and thanksgiving is the way he functioned. We pray that the Lord will illuminate scripture for us uh, and then we pray according to the scripture that he has given to us. Uh, A whole separate study can be built around the prayer life of God. Some of the, the outlines go something like this. Jesus is interceding for us. The Holy Spirit, we read in Romans 8, is interceding for us. I invite you to look up some of these scriptures later if you'd like to study them. Uh, Jesus, the Holy Spirit in us, is praying, it says in Romans 8, with groanings which cannot be uttered. And it says there that he is praying according to the will of the Father. So here you have a cycle. God has his plans for us. The Holy Spirit in us is praying about those plans and purposes. Jesus himself is interceding before the Father for us all the time. And this cycle in real time is going on right now. All the time. God is praying for us. I'm sure we all have those dark times where we kind of feel like God is far away and we don't quite know even how to start praying. We've all been there. We start then with what it says in Romans 8. The Holy Spirit lays hold with us in our weakness. We don't know how to pray as we ought, it says, but he helps us. I think part of the result of the fall into sin is that we can make things much more complicated than what they are. There's a very simple, very childlike thing involved in here. Help me to pray. I don't know how to pray. Help me, please. John Calvin said that the way to get to know the Holy Spirit is to expect that he's going to do what Scripture said he's come to do. He's come to, one of the reasons he's come to us, not only to bring us to to life, from death to life, not only to illuminate scripture to us, but to teach us how to pray, to lay hold with us. Sometimes all we can do is kind of groan, help, but we know even in that, that God knows how to pray for us. It's not up to us to know exactly how to pray about everything. God's got that covered. He wants us to join with him in prayer so we reach out in a very simple way and say Holy Spirit of God teach me how to pray as you've taken the bondage of spiritual death off my eyes please continue to sharpen my spiritual vision through scripture I think one of the most important things we learn, we teach our children we learn and grow in our own Relationship with God is to pray scripture. Think of the verses that you know, the familiar ones you know. God so loved the world, He gave His only Son. Whosoever believes in Him should not perish, have eternal life. How would one turn that into prayer? Thank you. Thank you for your love, for your amazing grace. Help me to just to be opened up more and more to that. Help me to want to share that with people. Every scripture we read can be turned into prayer in some way or another. Who's going to help us do that? The Holy Spirit. We have a textbook of prayer right in our hands whenever we hold the Bible. There's so many scriptures, so many ways we can, we can pray scripture. Thanksgiving to God. Confession of sin. Um, intercession for other people There's so many ways And we'll be looking at those Next Sunday as well um, Around a hundred years After Charles Wesley wrote over oh, a Thousand Tongues To sing The Danish theologian And philosopher Soren Kierkegaard Wrote a book Which he called The Sickness Unto Death It was based on the story of Lazarus. Um, Even as Jesus told his disciples uh, when they learned of the illness of Lazarus that his sickness would not be unto death. The theme of Kierkegaard, the thesis of him in his book is that spiritual death is the true sickness unto death, spiritual death. And he called it despair. And that despair, out of that comes, I think, the true anxiety of the age in which we live. Um, People who are separated from the life of God. Uh, The despair of those created in the image of God who do not acknowledge him. In this despair, this sickness unto death, it is this despair from which God has freed us as he stood outside our tomb and called us by name to come to him. It is this despair from which we have been freed which drives the anxiety of the age in which we live. It's the state of being described in Romans 1 as the unrighteousness which suppresses the truth of God, holds it down and refuses to acknowledge it, of being enemies of God, as each of us was before coming to him. It's described in Ephesians 2.12 as living in this world without God and without hope. I think that's one of the most chilling verses in Scripture, to be alienated from the life of God without hope in this world. We have been freed from this death, this despair, and this anxiety by the amazing grace of God and the sacrifice of his Son. Hebrews 2.13, the author attributes these words to Jesus. Behold, he's speaking to God the Father. Behold, I and the children you have given to me. Look at us. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the power of death the one who holds it, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not angels he helps, the text says, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and high priest in service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For having been, for because he himself has suffered when tempted, he's able to help us when we're tempted. So we as believers have a new purpose. We have a new mission in life with Jesus as the captain of our salvation and the Holy Spirit as our comforter and guide opening up the scriptures, continuing to draw us into God's own life of prayer. We have the mission to bear witness to the grace of God uh, and our lives as those who have been freed from the, deep, from the despair and the anxiety of the sickness unto death, to grow in our lives of prayer and thanksgiving, even as we're drawn into the prayer prayer and thanksgiving of the Godhead. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the beauty of your own holiness. We thank you for the amazing grace by which you have drawn us into your life. We thank you for these things, Lord, and we just ask that you would, by your grace and your power, continue to teach us how to pray and to draw us into that activity of yourself as you continue to pray. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.